Thank you, Peter. Scripture heavy here with us this morning. And like you see, things are slightly different. The numbers are down. But we have come to hear the word of God in any case. This morning I want to speak on sustained life. And just for the song that we were singing, it is well with my soul. I want to ask that question right from the start. How is it going with your soul? Is it going well with your soul? Because in this current situation that we are facing in us, in our country and in the world, we've seen how quickly things can change. Last week, we could all be together as one big body. And this week, we are limited to only a hundred people being able to meet at one time in one place. And by next week, this might change depending on what happens with the coronavirus. If it starts spreading rapidly, then I'm sure the government will take stricter measures and who knows, we may not even be able to meet. But I don't want anyone to become fearful. This is not a time to, for us as the children of God to be fearful. This is a time for us to rise up. It is a time for us to take courage. It is a time for us to be strong. You know what's incredible about the Word of God is, is the Bible warns us, yeah, it doesn't change, <laughs> but it warns us of things to come. And so, you know, in the light of what has happened here, I was just thinking, you know, the Bible warns us and says to us that persecution is going to come. What form that persecution is going to take, we don't know. We don't know if the government will put a stop to us meeting together as Christians, put a limit on how many people can meet together. We don't know what is going to happen. But my question to you is, is with whatever happens, are you ready to keep on following Jesus? Will your life still be sustained if we can't meet together as we regularly do? If there were no church services, the way that we are used to having them, no ministry, no laying on of hands, all the activities that seem to play a major role in our lives as Christians, what would be left and what would become of your relationship with Jesus? And each one of us as individuals, we have to search our own heart to be able to answer that question. Because I don't know where each one of you are at right now in your walk with the Lord. Your faith and what you believe in is going to be tested in the end times. Will you remain standing strong or will you fall by the wayside? Have you enough of Jesus inside of you to be able to sustain your walk with the Lord? Or will you just turn your back and run away? The superiority and supremacy of God over any situation that we face should keep our hearts in steadfast worship attitude towards Him. So no matter what is going on around us, no matter what the world is shouting, no matter what the economy is saying, we need to be continually worshipping Jesus because He is the answer to whatever problem we are facing. There is no problem to be for you. There is no sickness too big for you. There is no disease too big for you. 
Jesus is Lord over every situation that we face. And so are we continuing to worship Him? Yes, the reality is, is that this thing could get out of hand. That is the reality. But what does Jesus say about it? That is more important. Like Peter said a couple of weeks ago, the facts are is that yes, the coronavirus is spreading. But what is the truth of the situation? What does Jesus say about it? He says that he is the healer. And I believe that as we come together this afternoon and as we pray together, not only as a nation but as a world, that God will hear our prayers and that this virus will stop. I want to trust that in Jesus' name. Will you agree with me? Amen. In Jesus' name, this virus has to bow its knee to Jesus. See, Jesus has given us the power and the authority to rebuke this disease. And so as we come together, let's trust God that this will stop. Are you rooted and grounded in Jesus? Do your roots of what you believe go down deep, deep down into the ground, into the bedrock, so that when the, the wind and the waves of this life blow and venture against you, that you will remain standing and standing strong. Do your spiritual roots go down deep, deep down to where those streams of living water, those, those wells underground, your roots go down into them so that you can drink up that life-giving water. So that your relationship with the Lord can stay strong, that you can remain standing and be sustained. But not only sustained, but actually grow. And in this time, it is a time where we need to search our hearts to find out how are we doing spiritually. Will I grow? Or will I fall back into my old ways? Will I turn my back on Jesus? Are you convinced that Jesus is real? That His word is true? That He is the only one who can save you and heal you? Who can meet all your needs? Are you certain? Do you believe it? Do you know it? Not just in your head, but in your heart. Do you believe that He can do what He says He can do? You see, it's fine for us to have a chair in our heads, but when the crunch comes, when the tide hits the road, do you actually believe it? Will you put your faith and trust in Him? Or will you look towards other things for your salvation? This is important for us to believe. And I want, to, I want us to turn to Matthew 13. We're going to start reading from verse 3. That's a, a story about the farmer and sowing seed. It says, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil, and produced grain, 
some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And if we drop down to verse 18, it's the, the parable of the sower explained. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what, he, what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches chunk the word, and it proves unfaithful. I'm oh, sorry, unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, and in another sixty, and in another thirty. Each one of us is responsible for our own spiritual lives. Each one of us will have to give an account to God of what we have done with what God has given us. You cannot rely on someone else's spiritual faith to carry you through. You have to have your faith rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. And especially in these times that we are living in now, when persecution can come at any time, do, does your knowledge of Jesus Christ go down deep? Do you have something to stand on when times get difficult? Or you have to go and look up verses in, on Google to find encouragement. I want to say to you, now is the time. Build up your spiritual life. Become spiritually strong so that when things do, when the poor poor does hit the fan, then you are relying on Jesus for your strength. You don't have to run around and find someone else to help you, but you yourself have a relationship with Jesus. Yes, it's good to have friends to stand with, but you have to know who Jesus is yourself, so that you can rely on Him, put your trust in Him, and your faith in Him. Each one and every, each and every one of us is responsible for our own spiritual life and our own faith in Jesus. You cannot live off another spiritual life and their experiences and their faith, you need to have your own. The situation we are facing right now is a good test of what has been built into our lives. And I trust that over the years that I've been ministering that what I've built into your lives is something that you can stand on that is steadfast and true. And that the teachings that we've taught in this church when things happen in your life, that you will be able to recall them and be able to take from them so that you can sustain your life. If I had to say to you that for the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months, we won't be having church, what would happen to you spiritually? Would you die? 
Or would you continue to grow? Because you have a relationship with Jesus and your relationship with Jesus is not based on what happens here on the Sunday. But it is based on an everyday relationship. Would you still follow Jesus? Would you continue to love him and serve him? When we came back and we started meeting again, would your relationship be stronger than what it was before? Or would you have said, oh, you know, this is not worth it anymore? And turn your back on Jesus? Or would your relationship with him have become cold because you are not fellowshipping any longer with brothers and sisters in Christ? And so I want to have a look at the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 18. It's, it's the, a very well-known story. It's the story where we see Elijah come and he, he challenges the prophets of Baal. And he says, build an altar, lay a bull on it, but don't set it on fire. You have to call down fire from heaven. And if your God is real, and he hears you, then he'll set your sacrifice on fire. And so we see these guys go from noon, uh, from morning till noon. They're chanting, they're cutting themselves, they're calling down fire from heaven and nothing is happening. And eventually we see Elijah. And I'm sure by this time he's had enough of hearing all the noise and the commotion going on. He starts taunting them and saying to them, come on guys, shout a little bit louder. Maybe your God is tired. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe you need to wake him up. Maybe he's gone somewhere. You need to call him back. Shout a little louder. And this carries on and the guys get more rowdy and they, they start cutting themselves even deeper, trying to get Baal to set their sacrifice on fire. And nothing happens. By noontime, Elijah has had enough of what, what has been going on. He says to them, guys, this is enough. He says, it's my turn. We see Elijah go and he picks up rocks and he builds an altar. And on that altar, he lays the wood down. And then he takes the bull, cuts up the bull, lays it on the altar. Gets the men to dig a trench around the altar. And then he says to them, pour 12 jugs of water over the sacrifice. We can see that this bull that is laid on the altar is completely soaked in water. The wood under the bull is soaked with water. The whole altar is covered in water and the trench around the altar is filled up with water. And Elijah steps forward and prays. And we pick up in verse 38. The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. But not only the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and even lift up the water in the trench that was done around it. You can see this is our God. When we call on His name, He does great and mighty things. Things that we couldn't imagine or even dream of, He does them. And as we call on His name this afternoon, we can expect Him to do great and mighty things. So after this has happened, Elijah goes and he commands the people to, 
to capture the prophets of Baal and he has them all put to death. He then goes up onto Mount Carmel and he prays because it hadn't rained for a number of years. And Elijah's faith is busy building up. He says to his servant, go and look, go and see. Do you see anything in the distance? The servant comes back, he says nothing. Elijah sees him, prays and sees him again. And this happens a number of times. And then all of a sudden the servant comes back and he says, yes, out there in the distance, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand busy forming. And Elijah says, that's enough for me. He says, Ahab, get ready. It's time to go. The storm is coming. And so we see that in verse 46, the power of the Lord came upon him. Tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab and his horse drawn chariot all the way to Jezreel. We can see how this, this man is he's walking the talk, he's living the life, he's putting his faith in God. But then in the very next chapter, chapter 19, we see now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Yes, this man of God, a few hours before, God was using him mightily. Now all of a sudden, just like here with us, the situation changed. Going from someone who trusted God for fire from heaven, for rain, who could outrun a horse-drawn chariot, to fearing for his life. All hope, all his faith was diminished to virtually nothing. He went from a place of victory to a place of defeat in the matter of a few hours. Yes, this man of God, this great man of God, sitting in the desert under a broom tree, and he's asking God to kill him. It just doesn't make sense. But this is the reality of the situation, and it shows us how fast things can change. And if our life is not right with the Lord, if our faith is not strong, then when persecution and trials come our way, this can happen to us. We can go from one minute, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover, to the next, tail between the legs, and we're running away. Peter is another one who gives us a good example of this. He has this disciple of Jesus. He's been following Jesus for three and a half years now. Jesus has been in his house. They've talked together, they've walked together, they've fished. Well, Jesus didn't fish, not that I know of, but they were on the boat together. They've, they've been in close company with one another. And all of a sudden, here we see the Judas Iscariot come and he sells Jesus out. And all of a sudden we see 
Peter change? When Jesus is put on trial, when questions are being asked, we see Peter hanging around in the distance. And people start asking, but are you not one of his disciples? Are you not one of those who was following Jesus? And all of a sudden, Peter receives a reply, no, I don't even know him. And Peter basically curses and says, I don't know that man. I was never around him. And here we see this great man of God. All of a sudden going from hero to zero in the matter of a few minutes or a few hours. But you know what's incredible about both these stories? Is Jesus didn't leave them, or God didn't leave them where they were at. His grace was sufficient for them. And God, in both of these instances, restores those men. Both of them were put back into right relationship with the Father. And if things have happened in your life, where you have turned your back on Jesus for an instant because of something that has been happening, maybe persecution has come your way, maybe something has happened at work, and in that instant you said, I don't know Jesus. You know what? Jesus forgives you. If you repent of that, he will forgive you and he will restore a right relationship with you. He will not hold it against you. And in these times of persecution, church, I would want us to stand strong that we are not those that end up falling by the wayside, that we are not those whose roots are only going down just into that very shallow soil. And that when the sun comes up, or when persecution comes, then we quickly wither away and die. But for my prayer is that for us, that our roots will go down deep, that we will know who Jesus Christ is, that he will be the pillar, the foundation of our life, that our lives will be built upon him. During this time that we are going through now, I want to say to you, don't open the door to the lie of the enemy. Do not let discouragement come into your life. Do not let fear into your life. Because the enemy would love to distract you from your walk with the Lord. He would love you to take your focus off who Jesus is and put it on the circumstances around you. But Jesus is saying, keep your eyes fixed on me. I am the author. I am the perfecter of your faith. Of your faith. I'm the one who holds you in the palm of my hand. You do not have to be afraid. The time that we are in, the demands of this current situation can either bring out the worst or the best of us. Our circumstances may change drastically, for many economically and socially, the most important thing is to diligently attend to your soul's greatest need. And that is to spend large amounts of time in the Word of God. It's to spend large amounts of time on your knees in prayer to Jesus Christ. 
You want to get rid of stress? You want to get rid of discouragement? You want to get rid of fear and unbelief and all these other things? The only place is going to be on your knees and in the Word of God. That is where you will find the solution to your problem. The answers to your questions is in Jesus. In these times, I believe that people will be more open to hear the gospel of Jesus. People will be ready to hear the good news of the gospel because all they are hearing is the bad news. Let us be good news carriers. Let us not be those that entertain these negative thoughts and this fear. But let us carry the good news of the gospel of Jesus there in the If we cannot continue to meet like this, will you continue to stand strong? Will your faith grow? In these times, we may have to look for different ways of how to minister. Now is a good time for each and every one of us to take up the authority that Jesus has given us and to go out and be witnesses in your neighborhood, in your street. Find someone to minister to. Be Jesus in your neighborhood, in your street. When people need help, when family, their families and friends may end up getting sick, you be the one who is there for them and willing to pray for them, willing to go and do shopping for them. This is a great time to impact the street that you stay in or the neighborhood that you stay in. If you don't know the person staying next door to you, what an opportunity. Use this to get to know them. If there are elderly folk in the street that you're studying, go to them and say, look, we understand that you're more susceptible to the coronavirus. Can we go do the shopping for you? And use that as a way of, of getting in and being able to minister to people. So let's ask God for wisdom and creative ways of how we can take this gospel, not only to our street, to the neighborhood, but to the nations. We see that in the book of Acts, when the church was persecuted, how all of a sudden the gospel spread and went throughout the world. Let's use this opportunity to take this gospel wherever we go, to our neighborhoods, our family, our friends, into the shopping centers, to the nations. Let's take this gospel and let's be not carriers of the virus of Corona, but carriers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you are giving us as the body of Christ, even during this time. When we hear all the, the negative things concerning the coronavirus to be the carriers of your word, the carriers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that during this time, our faith will rise up, that our faith will become strong, that Lord, each and every one of us will make ourselves available to be used in whatever way you want to use us. So that Father, 
when this virus lifts off and we can meet again, that Father, the church will have grown in number because the body of Christ has been busy ministering to people. And so we thank you, Lord, that this is an opportunity that we have to do things differently so that people can still be reached for your kingdom. I thank you for each and every person that has come today. I pray your blessing upon them, Father. Lord, and I also pray your protection on them. That, Father, this virus will not come into any one of our homes. Thank you that we are under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. And, Father, we can stand on your word and believe that what your word says is true. We can rebuke the devourer. We can rebuke this virus and it will have to flee from us. And so we stand in the power and the authority of the word of God. And Father, thank you once again just for this awesome opportunity of being able to preach your word and be amongst friends and family. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.